having me back. Um, I talked once before about evangelism and how do we talk to our friends about Jesus. Um, this time I'm talking about rest, so kind of related. Uh, I want specifically to talk about rest because that's something that I've been practicing and trying to get better at. To start us off, I have an icebreaker question. What are your favorite, maybe after church, Sunday, relaxing activities? So what do you enjoy doing on Sunday after church? So talk with a neighbor next to you, and then I'm going to gather some of your answers. All right. That sounds like a lot of things. You do a lot of things to rest. <laughs> okay, I want to hear some answers. What are some things you like to do? Take a nap. Take a nap. Yes. Oh, yes. That's so good. So good. Anything else? We're, not all, we're all sleeping. We're all taking naps. Ooh, Auntie Grace. <laughs> yes. Watching a Dodgers. So hopefully it's not stressful, right? It's relaxing and peaceful. <laughs> Anything else? Watching baseball, specifically the Dodgers. Oh, but going on a walk, yeah. Being in nature, too, right, can be really restful. Um, yeah, I love doing all of these things. My, my family, we have this routine. We go to church, everyone crashes, and we take a nap. Like, everyone is out. Michael notices he's the only one awake <laughs> when we go home. And then we go to grandma dinner. We go to have dinner with our grandma once a week with our uncles and aunts and cousins. We go to the same restaurant, her favorite restaurant, every week. Um, and just have some family time together. So growing up, I actually didn't know that this was kind of a restful Sabbath activity. It wasn't um, like we, we planned it at all. It was kind of we fell into it. But it was a routine that we knew we could do. And every time we came back from college or whatever, we knew the schedule. We knew the plan. Everyone was on the same mind track. Um, so maybe like you, uh, you experience this kind of rest, especially on Sundays. Um, but maybe, like us, you lack some intentionality. It kind of just falls into your lap. It kind of just happens. Like maybe you fall asleep, actually, and take a nap. Um, I'm here to talk about, my goal is to talk about the intentionality of Sabbath. How do you actually plan for it? How do you actually prepare and honor God by taking a Sabbath? And what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, so that's kind of my goal for today. But before we get started, um, I want to share just a little bit about how Sabbath has affected my life. So I didn't know people took a Sabbath, um, a non-Orthodox Jewish people, that is, until I got to college. And it was in college where my mentor, Liz, she was a pre-pharmacy student at the time, um, she told me that she takes a Sabbath once a week. And that shocked me, because I, I couldn't even imagine not studying every day of the week, right? So she told me she takes a break uh, 3 p.m. Friday to 3 p.m. Saturday. So then she could still study before 3 p.m. on Friday and still study after 3 p.m. on Saturday and tell her parents, I'm studying every day of the week, right? It still counts. <laughs> um, but in that way, I learned that there's creativity in taking a Sabbath and there's rest. And she's a really good student. She's a really good pharmacist, even now. So I'm really grateful for what I've learned from her and other people. I found that there's freedom in my week when I take a Sabbath, right? There's freedom to not worry about tasks or try to be the most productive. There's a centering on God when we do this regularly. I get to spend time with my friends and my family, right? I get to worship with them and pray with them. Um, it's a beautiful time to just spend time in community. So practicing a regular Sabbath, being intentional about it, grounded me. 
and helped me be more patient and kind and loving to the people around me. And I will tell you, I'm definitely far from perfect. Uh, I've been practicing Sabbath for 11 years, and I'm still learning all these things. Um, but I found that it really helps me grow in my relationship with God, and it's a beautiful way to experience uh, God in a weekly rhythm. So uh, before I even go further on my experience and all the things about Sabbath, I want to make sure we talk about Scripture, because I learned in this church how to love God and love Scripture. And everything we do is based on God's Word, not just on something that feels nice, right? It's nice to nap, it's nice to rest, but actually, what does God say about rest? And how does that inform our lives? So, Sabbath, the word Sabbath means to cease, means to stop. Um, so that's helpful as we take a look at Sabbath, and we take a look at what it says in the Old Testament. We'll start here. Old Testament. So, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Um, it's actually, I find that Christians are the least familiar with this commandment. And God rested, as Christians said, like God rested on the seventh day, right? So we follow God's model. Um, what I love about how God did it first and then gave it to the people is that he uh, set an example for the people. And it wasn't something that he was asking others to do and he wouldn't do, right? It was something that he actually was willing to do and, and led the people through it. The Ten Commandments are not just an arbitrary set of rules. They're actually meant to help the people of God be the people of God. They're meant to help them know what does it mean to, to have a God and be in relationship with him. So these rules are different than maybe rules we may think of because it's God-made instead of man-made. Um, we see it later um, in Exodus, right, the, the journey. Um, we actually see it in Psalms. I have a whole list if you really want to know. This is an extensive list of the, the time Sabbath is mentioned. Um, it's in the prophets. One of my favorites is in Isaiah. It says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. There's joy. There's joy to be found on your Sabbath. You'll see here, I have way more scriptures. I'm not going to read all of them, um, but feel free to uh, read more on your own. Um, so it's all over the Old Testament. That's the basis, right? It's definitely in the Bible, for sure, right here. Um, but you may be asking me, like Christian said, does that mean it still applies to us in the New Testament, right? Was it abolished once Jesus came? Is it just an old kind of way of living, or is this something that we actually still practice? In the New Testament, we see that it is in the Gospels. And Jesus uh, had an opportunity to speak on the Sabbath, and he did. Actually, what he addressed was the Pharisees were trying to make the Sabbath about rule following. They actually made 36 laws just about the Sabbath, like how many steps you can walk a day and what you can do. So it became really legalistic. Legalistic meaning just about the rules. What Jesus says is that he brings it back to the original intention. Right? Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man, who is Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. He could have abolished it. Jesus had every right. Because he's God, he could have gotten rid of the Sabbath, but he didn't. He actually elevated it back to its original intention, back to what God wanted it to be. Um, so we see it in the Gospels. Jesus talks about it a lot. We see it in the epistles or the letters. Um, and I'm going to kind of hone in on Hebrews 4 because I want us to, to take a deeper look at about what, what God is saying. 
Okay, so that's kind of a really, really rushed overview about Sabbath and the Bible. It's all over. If you need the scriptures, I can give it to you later. Um, but let's talk about Hebrews. So the background of the book of Hebrews is that it's an unnamed author to an unnamed audience. But what we can gather from the context of the letter is that they are Jesus-believing Jewish people, and they really need encouragement. They're in danger of falling away from their faith. And so this author is trying to encourage them, help them understand their faith from a Jewish perspective in order to stay true to, to Jesus, to be a Christian in this time, this time of persecution and following God in the new church. So one of the methods he does to do this is he reminds them of their history. Do not fall back into your cycles that you have, you have been part of in your past with your generations before. God, in the biggest story I, in the Israelites' history, right, is Exodus, right? In the book of Exodus, it records their moving from um, slavery in Egypt under the Pharaoh to a people in the Promised Land. But in that process, right, it's kind of messy, it's kind of a painful journey, um, God, God is faithful to them, right? He saves them from the Pharaoh, uh, he gives them these laws, he feeds them with food in the desert and water from rocks, and yet, if you read the story, the Israelites are complaining the whole time. They're grumbling, they're trying to go back, they want to, they even tell Moses, we want to go back and be slaves, because we knew that life, we had meat in that life, Right? They're, just, they're just grumbling and not grateful. And so God, finally, he, he just has it. <laughs> These are, they're about to enter the promised land, the, the rest that God has for them to, to be a people, to have their own land out of slavery. And 10 of the 12 scouts that return say, we don't want to go. The people are scary there. And they end up stirring up these things about the land, saying, oh, the land is not that good. The people are really scary. It's not worth it. And actually try, in that moment, they try to elect a new leader, not Moses, to take them back to Egypt. So it's kind of this, like, it's all coming to a head right now. And God responds, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you, Moses, into a nation greater and stronger than they. So he is angry, rightfully so. They've, they've bothered him <laughs> for so many years. Or Moses appeals to God's character, steadfast love and patience. And Moses asks God to reconsider. And God does. He responds, I have forgiven them as you have asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory in the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. So it was so. Only Caleb and Joshua from that generation got to go, and the rest, the next generation, were able to go into the promised land. So there are real consequences for what happened, right? Their constant disobedience, their constant dis disbelief. And this author um, is trying to point them back to this, right? This is the generation that came before you. Don't make the same mistake again. They couldn't enter the rest because they didn't want to have anything to do with God. And I think even if God, 
and his patience and grace, gracious nature, even if he allowed them to go into the promised land, right? even if he was like, okay, fine, I'll let you go, if, even if you're grumbling, I don't think they would have rested. I honestly don't think they would have received what God had for them because they were so stuck in their mindset of grumbling and disbelief and disobedience, right? So even by seeing the miracles, even by hearing the good news, that's not enough to just enter the rest that God has for us. We need to both believe God and trust him and obey. Those things go hand in hand. So now what? <laughs> now that they've heard this and remember their history, um, God reminds them uh, that in order to enter the rest, you must believe. I think it's on the next one. Uh, maybe not. Uh, so instead, he calls them to believe, believe that Jesus Christ is God, who died on the cross and resurrected to bring salvation to the world. And by believing, they may enter the rest. The rest is what will sustain them, actually. The rest is part of the answer. Uh, to the Hebrews trying to remain in their faith. Um, now you may notice also that the word uh, today is repeated. Oh, sorry, today. Um, something that is really interesting about the word today is that it's repeated also in chapter 3 a bunch of times. So when you notice that in scripture, when you see a word repeated, it means that it's important. <laughs> it means that you're supposed to pay attention to that. And I think it's important because today, is giving these people another chance. Today means that there's still an opportunity to say yes to God, to believe and not be like their ancestors, the generations that come before them, but to make a different choice, to actually enter the rest that God has for them. Uh, my students love to quote uh, this, oh, here, this uh, from, from Kung Fu Panda. It's by Master Ugwe. <laughs> Yeah? Uh, yesterday is a history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Right? That's how we can think of today. Today is a present. It's a gift. Today is an opportunity to say yes to God again. Um, so there remains, because of the today, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So the people of God, those are the people who believe in Jesus, right? And because of that, you can enter into the rest. But there still remains a Sabbath rest. So I'm trying to point out these two things of there's a belief aspect, a call to belief, and there's a call to obey. And those things are essential if we're going to enter into the rest. You can believe but not obey, and you could obey but not believe. And, and those things, you can't actually experience the rest that God has for us unless you do those two things. And I know that um, obedience may have some negative connotations for us, right? Especially in the world, obedience may be used to manipulate. Maybe we've told we have to obey to fall in line, to, to do a certain thing, and it didn't feel right within us. Um, but what I can assure you is that this is obedience to God. So those manipulative things, those have been obedience to man, right? Calls to obedience to man. And when we are called to obey God, we can actually trust God because he loves us. He loved us first before we did anything. And he is God who made you and loves you and knows you. And he wouldn't ask 
you to do something that would entirely destroy you. He would do something that is good for you, um, even if you don't see it as good right now. So that's someone, that's the kind of God we follow. That's the kind of God that we can obey actually full-heartedly and trust him because he's a God who sacrificed himself for you and loves you. All right, so obedience. Um, obedience is the follow-through in our love for God. By obeying God and keeping a Sabbath, we are showing that we trust God. We're setting apart one day, only one day a week, and it is one, it is one thing that you can show. I like the, the thing that um, someone told me once is that action uh, is our way of showing our love for someone. Right? It is one thing to say you love someone and another thing to show it. So action by obeying God, obeying the Sabbath, actually is a way to love God. So, belief and obey. Now, it would be enough to say, hey, God asked you to do this, do this. That's actually enough, because God is good, we can trust him. Um, but actually, what I've seen from practicing Sabbath is that it's really good. <laughs> it's not just like a weird thing to follow. It's really good for us and our relationships. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the nature of Sabbath itself and why it's good for us. So the first thing is that it's a gift. It's a gift for ourselves and others. So when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, they were not allowed to take a day off, right? You have no control over your schedule. Your time is not your own. Um, but God intended this to be a gift for them to actually rest, to not have to be productive 24-7. And what I love about the, the gift part of it is that you can receive it gladly or you can receive it, uh, I don't know, hesitantly. And so let's receive the gift that God has for us. This gift also is not just for individuals. It's for our communities. It's for us as our, our, we practice Sabbath with our friends and our family, right? This is for all of us together. Um, it, God was really intentional when he said uh, in, the t in the commandment, now remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You see here, he didn't just say, just for you. It's only for you and just you as an individual. But he said, it's for your children. It's for your animals, even. It's for your, the foreigners living among you. Right? This is meant to be an experience of rest for the people around them. Now, the most popular company that takes a Sabbath is Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> Uh, Michael and I always want to go get fried chicken after church on Sundays. It's like always what we want to do, but we can't because they're closed every Sunday. Every Sunday we have to go through this conversation. Um, and the founder, Truett Cathy, is a Christian, and because of his belief on resting, um, he actually closes all of his stores nationwide on a Sunday. Um, and I don't know if you know, if you've been to Chick-fil-A, they play Christian instrumental music in the background. You can hear it mostly in the bathrooms. Um, but, but when you go and you're, you see the employees, they're all really happy, right? Like they say, my pleasure, it's my pleasure to serve you. Um, you don't have to be a Christian to work at Chick-fil-A, right? So when Truett Cathy actually made this, uh, shut down his restaurant once a week, he allowed the Christians, yes, to take a rest, to go to church on Sunday, 
but he also allowed the non-Christians to rest and potentially go to church on Sunday. So this is not just meant for the people of God, but it's meant to bless other people and bring them closer to Jesus. This is witness. This is actually a way of, of just living that is good for the communities around us. So thinking about our own lives, we don't maybe own a chain of fast food restaurants, um, but even if you didn't email that person that, on that day, or if you didn't try to finish that last minute conversation, right, you're allowing your coworker, you're allowing your family, your friend to rest. You're actually allowing them to receive the rest that they should be getting because um, they're not paid every day of the week, right? Um, so that's good. It's good news, not just for us. It's also for the people around us so they may know who Jesus is. It also centers us on God. So to get to the centering on God, I want to talk first about self-care. Self-care is a really big trend, especially with my students. Um, and I think it makes sense in the world where we're constantly being bombarded with notifications and just a lot of trauma and different violence, right? We want, we're just hitting our endpoint as human beings. So there's a heightened um, market for uh, comfort dogs and for spa treatments, right? And for self-care things. And I really think it's the world groaning for peace that only God can give, right? I think it's the world longing for something that they're not getting right now in their human life. Self-care is not Sabbath. I just want to be clear. You may be doing similar activities, but self-care is about yourself, and Sabbath is about God. And so Sabbath, how it's distinguishing from self-care or a day off, is that it should be worshipful, right? It should be experience that, that you honor God with your whole day, that you center on God and remind yourself and others that God is good, that God is Lord over your life. So it centers on God, and that's actually a really good thing. We need that. We need that as a reminder every week because there's a lot that goes on even each day. We need that reminder to center on God. Um, it also helps you build your trust in God. So I know for Truett Cathy, right, it's not easy to close down his Chick-fil-A business uh, once a week. Many people thought that he would lose money, right? If you're not, everyone else is open every day of the week. So why would you do that? But actually, um, he is doing really well, right? I think there was a recent report even that every store earns more than any other uh, restaurant out there like per store, they earn more. So it's interesting that as he trusted God with it, God blessed him. Now, I'm not saying God will bless you if you trust him, but that even, I think for true at Kathy, even if he didn't get the profits, he would still trust God to close, right? It was trust in God that allows him to close in the first place. And I think for us, that's what we need to do. <laughs> we can't do this on our own. Honestly, taking a day off when everyone else is working um, my brother's a PhD student, and I know everyone there is working every day of the week. They're in lab every day. To, to honor this time and say, no, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to trust God with this day and not do research that one day. You have to trust God. You have to depend on God. You have to say, God, I'm giving you my whole life. Because only through God can we actually take that day off and trust him. So it's nice because to do it, you have to trust God, but also as you do it, it's helping you trust God. So it's kind of a nice uh, building up cycle. So let's make every effort to enter that rest. So no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. I will tell you, and you probably know this, that it takes work and intentionality to rest. 
It doesn't just fall into your lap. Maybe you've noticed that. It doesn't just happen. You don't just walk into rest. Um, it actually takes effort. It actually takes intentionality, which is why I'm talking about it. Um, I've had to realize that the work will never be done. There will never be an end to the work. And even good kingdom, God-honoring things, like even that will never be done, right? So the question is not, is this work important or valuable? Because usually it is, but is God more important? Is God more valuable in your life? I have to ask my students, who is your God? Who is your God that you're following? Are you going to trust God to give you freedom, or are you going to choose into the slavery of overworking? Um, because I'm a really practical person, I don't want to just talk about, in theory, what Sabbath is. I also want to talk about what it looks like to do it, to actually practice it. So I have some tips um, that can help us as we try Sabbath together. Um, the first one is timing. So not everyone can afford like a nicely packaged 24 hours. Uh, Saturday or Sunday or wherever you need to take a Sabbath. Even like the day, I know some people have different thoughts about which day to take, but as a campus minister, I had to work on Sundays. So I couldn't just take off Sunday because I was with students um, all day working with them. So what does it look like to actually be creative, to honor your intentionality and your heart, and take a Sabbath when maybe your schedule dictates it? So I've had to take a Sabbath on a Monday or a Friday or a Thursday, right? It just different days because of the nature of my schedule. And I think God wants that. He wants you to rest. He doesn't want you to like, oh, I only have to do this and I can't do anything else. He wants you to honor it and protect it, but uh, maybe the legalism prevents us from actually doing it in the first place. So timing. Um, I also know that I am a young woman with no kids. <laughs> so uh, there are other families, right? In your situation, I, I know, I can imagine that if you have lots of kids running around, you can't just take a day off, <laughs> like peace out as a mom. Um, so I think instead of just get rid of it all together, there's a way to be creative about it. Um, in this book that I've been reading, Sabbath Keeping, she talks about, uh, she in her different life stages, she's talked about different ways she's practiced Sabbath because of just the circumstances of her life. And one of the ones I really love is that you can practice a spiritual discipline for 24 hours. And that's still Sabbathing. Uh, the one she talks about that I like the most is, what if you, for 24 hours, didn't multitask? What if you, for 24 hours, gave your presence and attention to everything in front of you um, at the time? So the person you're talking to, or the child you're playing with, or um, the chores you're doing, taking out the trash. Like, What if you actually were present to those things instead of trying to do 20 million things at one time? That's actually a way to cease, to stop, um, for 24 hours without having to completely stop. Um, so I think there's creative ways to actually practice Sabbath instead of just ignoring it altogether. The second thing is to make sure you're centered on God, like I said. Uh, it's different from a day off in that way. I, I try to do majority of my time with something with God. So prayer walk with God, praying, worship time, um, reading my Bible. Like, what are the things that I make sure it's not just another day? Um, so make sure you center on God. Prepare is the third thing. Uh, yeah, it takes work. It's good to prepare. When you are just running up into it and then you fall into it, it actually doesn't feel restful when there's unfinished tasks, to me at least. 
when I know that there's, I have to pack or there's laundry or chores that I wanted to get done. So that means preparing ahead of time. If you know your Sabbath is coming up, that means beforehand you're working so that you can actually rest. You can actually lay those tasks down and rest. Um, also, I like to turn off my phone. So trying to avoid technology because there's just a lot going on with technology. So if that's the case, if you want to practice turning off your phone or being off technology, tell your family, <laughs> tell somebody that for at least 24 hours, you can't contact me this particular way. And that's okay. Um, yeah, we used to not have instant connection to people, so I think we could practice that again. Um, and also, I like to, the last thing I like to prepare is time with friends. I like to end my Sabbath with friends, so I start off by myself and I end with friends. So if that's the case, arranging that ahead of time, right? Okay, we're going to meet together at this time and we're going to cook or whatever. Um, what are the things you can do to prepare so that you're not rushing around trying to get it done? And the last thing is to just do it, to just practice it. To practice it, mess up, try again, trusting God, be creative. Um, yeah, I, I know that even if you aren't convinced that this is something God wants us to do, then maybe the call for you is to do more research to read more scripture, to read more books, and pray about it, right? What is the things that God is asking you to do to be faithful to this work and to actually uh, try it out or investigate trying it out? Uh, I won't do anything unless it's in my calendar, and so maybe even doing it means putting it in your calendar and setting aside all these other times. Maybe it means getting a buddy to do it with you. Um, it's like a family or your housemates, right? What, who are the people that actually you can keep each other accountable? It's like, hey, stop working. Stop thinking about work. Or, hey, let's rest together. What are things like that that you can do to help you uh, practice Sabbath? So before I finish up, um, I know coming from me, uh, ministry is my life. So I can work on Sabbath forever, right, because that's part of my job. I want you to hear from someone who ministry isn't his life. So my husband Michael is going to come up and just share briefly what he's learned as we practice Sabbath. He didn't practice Sabbath before we were married, but he has since practiced it. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Um, so as she said, my name is Michael, and uh, as much as I wish I could play the violin for my full-time job, uh, in reality, I'm just like many other uh, artists, except I just have the luxury of being an engineer. I work for Texas Instruments in the Bay Area. And um, so I guess as a layperson, I do have a relative eight to five, nine to six type job. And so um, I do get my Sundays where I have a time to rest. But I think for a long time, there was a hard time for me to distinguish between a day off versus a day of rest. And uh, interestingly, it kind of looks the same on the surface because you can actually be doing the same activities. But the focus of what you're thinking of and the intentionality of it can be very different. So one of the things I like doing, um, which I hear lots of people don't enjoy doing is distance running. I like just running for long distances. And I also love doing it with someone else because that person can't get away from me when I want to talk. I used to love this in high school because uh, we would go like a one hour long run. I'm like, yes, this person's stuck with me for an hour and has to listen to me talk. Because um, I love talking when I'm running and it's a really a great time to also share life because you're stuck with each other. and. Um, it's, it's been a, a great time. I, I have a friend that I want, run with um, from the church that I go to up in the Bay Area, and we do share a lot of life during the runs, and during the run is also a great time to check in with each other. How is God working in your life, and how are you seeing God in the things that you experienced in the past week? And so 
Um, Sabbath is not necessarily all um, kind of uh, uh, self-focused or just kind of you have to go away into a quiet place just by yourself. I think for those that are introverted, that may be something that's restful. But for me, I like externally processing. And so Sabbath for me is uh, experiencing it and also being in community with other people um, while I do that. So there's running, and then also I pl- uh, tend to play basketball on Sundays. And the people that I play with uh, are from a church I used to go to. And we kind of do more of the same thing when, when you're with a group and after a while when you're tired, you just start talking. And during that time when you're talking, that's a great time for you to be relational. So, um, so yeah, on the surface, it sort of looks like you're just taking time off and having a good time, but it's really the intentionality of um, are you really seeking rest from um, just worrying about work or you're, you're, you're just kind of mindlessly doing something but really being intentional about um, that precious time that God gives you. And it really does make a difference. When you, when you go back to work, you go back to your regular activity, knowing that you've seen God working in your life, that it gives you, uh, I guess, a refreshed vision of how God will work for you in the upcoming week. So that's how I've been experiencing Sabbath. Yeah, maybe that's the first time you've heard from him (laughs) speaking, not just playing. Um, But yeah, I think it's been really good to practice that together um, in our our house, with our housemates. Um, Some of the things that we actually like to do, uh, I didn't put basketball because I don't like to do basketball, but uh, some of the things that I like to do, napping's on there, um, reading is on there, I'm an introvert, puzzles are on there. Um, One thing that we've started, like maybe we've just done it twice, and I really like it, is the night before, oh, sorry. <laughs> the night before, um, we will actually spend time uh, worship, worshiping. God, uh, Michael will lead us in worship, and then we'll, we'll just pray for each other. And one time, our friend was over that night because she was having dinner, and we said, hey, we're trying this thing. Um, you're here. Do you want to just join in with us? And so she did. Um, so it was kind of a fun thing to whoever is around, We'll just do this no matter what, and we'll invite them into it. Of course, we're not going to force them to do it, uh, but it was a way to actually experience a kind of centering on God before even our Sabbath starts so that the next day we can wake up and know that that was part of our experience. Um, yeah, so that was one of my favorite things that we're doing right now. I love doing bubble, uh, board games with my brothers um, and taking bubbles, but Uh, As a single person, oh sorry, on there is also dates with God, and as a single person, I would dress up and I would go on like picnics with God and talk to God, and I think making that intentional relationship was really good. So different things for different stages of your life, whatever whatever creativity God can bring for you, um, these are some of my ideas. Um, So I urge you to try Sabbathing, even just this week, today or next week. and if you aren't convinced, I ask that you commit to researching it. Um, I want you to hear from God, right, and hear from Scripture. Um, and I think that as you try it, as you commit to Sabbath, you'll find that it affects every area of your life, right? Not just your relationship with God, but also how you see and love other people around you. Um, you may be wondering, why did I choose Sabbath out of all the topics? It's because I'm practicing kind of Sabbath right now. So. Uh, with InterVarsity, uh, they give you, after seven years of work, a sabbatical, which is a, a paid leave. So I'm getting a six months of paid leave of rest, um, and it's really great. It's, it's really amazing. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, right now I'm doing, it's, it's a combination of spiritual renewal and academic. So I'm trying to take more classes as I get my Master's of Divinity, um, but also I was on prayer retreats. I did an eight-day silent prayer retreat, which is really good, um, and different visiting my friends who I haven't ever seen. Um, so different things that, that has actually been really spiritually renewing and good. Um, and so what I'm asking as I take a Sabbath, a sabbatical, I'm asking um, this church to rest with me, to practice Sabbath as a way of partnering with me in my sabbatical, um, to try it out. And so to help you do that, I have a book. So this book that I was talking about, um, I'm giving it away for free, <laughs> which is the best deal. Um, <laughs> I guess I could give you more money. But, uh, so this is the most comprehensive book I found out there on Sabbath. Um, other things I've read have been like immersed into other spiritual disciplines. So they have like a bunch of different things. But this one is just about Sabbath. And I like it because this woman has lived it out in different places, in different life stages. She actually lived in Israel at some point, and so practiced Sabbath when everyone else, when it all shuts down, which is a whole different experience I've never had um, before. So I really like what she has to say, and um, even the ways that she can challenge us on resting. So please, I have a whole box with me, so please just come get, get a book for me. That's all you need. You just need to get a book, and uh, it's free. Uh, so... The Hebrews people, right, they needed encouragement to remain in the faith. And I know this church, you are faithful, God-loving people, prayerful people. And I don't think you're at the same kind of uh, desperation that they're at. And yet the call, I think, is still the same. Because there are still things trying to vie for your attention. There are still things trying to take you away from God weekly. And Sabbath is a way to trust God, to rest, and to experience this beautiful relationship with God um, weekly that you normally wouldn't get to. So I, I challenge you and urge you to trust God above all else, to rest and honor him with our Sabbaths. Let me pray for us as we close. 